Hello, everyone, and welcome to Movie Change Up. My name is Dupe, Johnny Dupe, and I will be your host today for an episode we've been uh, that has been in the works for months and months uh, behind the scenes here. Um, so we're excited to get to it. We are back to our usual format. If you've ever checked out our show before, our two contestants today will have uh, five movies uh, going head to head that they will pitch uh, reboots for. And they have five rules. They have to follow one rule per movie. And we are doing a James Bond themed episode today. So we're doing five reboots of classic James Bond films and a couple not so classic James Bond films. Um, and our contestants uh, will go back and forth facing and uh, myself and my co-judge will decide who is victorious in each one. First one to three points will win today. Um, this has been a very uh, long process to get this episode done. So we're excited to get there. I'll start with my uh, co-host who kind of missed out on Bond Month yeah. to see if he's what your excitement level is for this James Bond battle. Hey, everyone. And Bobby, if you haven't seen this before, uh, and I haven't been on in a while, so if you're a new fan, uh, probably haven't seen me. But yeah, I'm excited uh, for a, a couple of things. One, um, been really into Bond, obviously, with No Time to Die coming out and uh, kind of rewatched a few of those movies. Um, been a fan my whole life. And uh, it's been a long time since I've been on here. We've been redoing our kitchen and uh, haven't had a time to actually you know, be on the on the show. So I'm excited to hear some some pitches uh, for the first time in a while. And um Bond is one of my favorite franchises, so I'm looking forward to it. All right, and Bond is my favorite franchise, and I have introduced, uh, I'd say lovingly to the next two, uh, I, I hope I built a bit, a bit of an obsession between our contestants today, and I'm excited to see it come into fruition. We'll start with our first, um, our first opponent, Joe. I know you, we've talked a lot about Bond over the month of September before No Time to Die came out, and obviously had a discussion afterwards but uh what was your anticipation level going into this fight and are you nervous are you excited what's your where's your head at i'll tell you this uh you were talking about you wanted to introduce us maybe to this obsession of bond and you know i enjoy bond would i say i'm obsessed not really i am obsessed with one thing and that's kicking tristan's ass you know i'm rocking my detroit lions hat you know bringing some of that dan campbell heat and fire and passion that i'm you know how's that going for him hey he's 0-7 but I think he's getting the win on Sunday. That's my prediction. I think he beats the uh, Eagles. As an Eagles fan, I agree. I think he's beating the Eagles on Sunday. Uh, that's what I think. And I think if Tristan has uh, any shot of giving us a good pitch day, the only chance of that happening is if I go over there, stick my hand so far up his ass, and start moving his mouth like a puppet. I think that's the only way a good pitch is coming out of Tristan today. That's what you I think. His, you know, bite his kneecap wow. while you're down there? Yeah, I might as well. <laughs> yeah. Tristan, he, a lot of strong words from your opponent today. Does that affect your your confidence, or are you just uh, laughing it off and hoping to hoping to win? Look, it kind of boosts my confidence. Joe came in here talking all angry, all hostile. He's like, I don't care about Bond. Uh, Bond's okay, I guess. I'm here. To, I'm I said here to I liked Tristan. it. What? I didn't say. I just said I wasn't obsessed with it. I said but I I'm here it. saying, look, I'm here to pitch good Bond movies. I don't care if I win or lose. I'm pitching good movies, Joe, and that's what I'm here to do. I. Didn't know Bond very well before coming into this month. And That's become don't. two months of Bond, and I've fallen in love with it. And hopefully I turn that love into movies that you guys would all like. But regardless, I have movies that I would like, which I always do. So hopefully <laughs> you guys share my enthusiasm and Joe loses because I came here for Bond. Joe came here for glory. So let's let's give the win to Bond here. Let's give the win to the real winner here, and that's me. Because right. one well, thing I know, did, if I beat Tristan, I'll say he if did. I beat Tristan today, uh, 
I get a shot at the title, and as the co-founder of this podcast, being the only one here that hasn't gotten a shot at the title, it's bullshit. So I'm here, I'm bringing the passion, I'm bringing the heat, because I'm coming after Johnny after this, that's all I have to say. Co-founder and holder of the longest losing streak in show history, Joe Fricky, coming <laughs> for the title. Um, here, okay, so we mentioned, obviously, we're doing five Bond movies, I will read off the five movies we're doing today. Uh, my co-host Bobby will read off the rules, and then we'll get right into it. Um, so, today we have On Her Majesty's Secret Service from 1969, we have License to Kill from 1989, Goldeneye from 1995, Moonraker from 1979, and the disappointment that was Spectre from 2015, although if you listen to our uh, other Bond episodes, I find a lot to love in Spectre, so I'm interested to see what... Uh, you know, where Bobby and I differ on these. And Bobby, what are our rules that they must use today? Yeah, rule today are they must resurrect an actor's career. Uh, the singer of the title song must also star in the film. Uh, they must make one a Steven Spielberg movie. One must include a cameo from an actor that has previously portrayed a character in the Bond franchise. One must be told from the villain's perspective. And I'm used to there being more, but All right. only five. I just realized... Yeah, there's five. On the the moron that made our graphic spelled perspective, perspective. Tell one from the villain's perspective. So hope you're prepared for that, Tristan. I, I, I'll have to improvise my pitch, I guess. All right. So Joe won our little contest uh, after a, another heated battle before the show started. Joe, where are we starting and who's going first? Uh, let's kick it off from the top with On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and I will let Tristan go first. All right. On Her Majesty's Secret Service, uh, as mentioned, came out in 1969. Um, and it was the first and only George Lazenby Bond film. And it uh, the plot of the film is James Bond woos a mob boss's daughter and goes undercover to uncover the true reason for Ernst Stavro Blofeld's allergy research in the Swiss Alps involving beautiful women around, from around the world. I'm assuming it said world because... Uh, there was no word after the... Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to say world, because that makes sense. Could be globe. Galaxy. Probably not Multiverse. Galaxy. All right, so Tristan, that means uh, you are starting us off, and I am very excited to hear the first pitches of the of uh, one of my favorite Bond films, one of my top five Bond films. How are you going to improve it? So I'm going to start off by saying that the Bond that I cast in my movie is Henry Cavill. I'm trying to go for kind of like a romantic take on Bond because I think that this is the original movie is a very romantic version of Bond and I wanted to lean into that romance side. So my Bond girl is Kate Winslet and my villain is played by Tilda Swinton. I also have uh, roles from my Q and M. Uh, my Q is Elliot Page and my M is Emma Thompson. Uh, so the premise here is that uh, there's sort of a modern self-help personality who's sort of like an influencer spreading out this like high-end self-positivity, like you pay for my membership, you can find your true meaning of life type type person, played by Tilda Swinton. Her name is Missy Mays. Uh, she begins recruiting beautiful women from around the world to provide uh, a test for her new service that she says will make them famous. So all these beautiful women who have these aspirations to become famous uh, flock up to Tilda Swinton and her, her kind of compound to uh, join in on this mysterious service that they... I think it's going to give them a new form of life. And James Bond, who's sort of this like perfectly settled super spy at this point in his career, who's happy having no connections. He goes out as an undercover 
as an American tech billionaire to investigate. And while he's investigating, he kind of falls in with uh, Kate Winslet's character, who is this model who is out there trying to get herself seen by Tilda Swinton's character. And the two of them kind of go on this across journey Italy to find all the various women who have been helped by Tilda Swinton's character and uncover like the truth of her her movement and her uh, her person her her influencer campaign. So I'll get more into the plot as I get into my later pitch, but that's like the essential premise there. Cool. All right. All right. Joe, what do you got to combat that? All right, so uh, for my version of On Her Majesty's Secret Service, my director is going to be Guy Ritchie because I want more of like the Guy Ritchie-style tone. I feel like for a different iteration of Bond to change it up from the Daniel Craig Bond, that's the way to go. Uh, for my Bond, uh, I, I try to stay away from a lot of the fan casting because I feel like it's too obvious and stuff, so I looked for someone that was a little bit different that could be a different type of Bond, and so I decided to go with Riz Ahmed, who's... Uh, relatively famous, but still mostly unknown. He hasn't really led like a big property or anything. Uh, to uh, go along with him, my Tracy Draco in this movie is going to be played by Scarlett Johansson. Uh, the role of Felix, who I don't believe was in the original version, but I decided to cast him in mine, is going to be played by Brad Pitt, who's worked with uh, Guy Ritchie before. Uh, my Blofeld is going to be played by Stellan Skarsgård, who people might know from Dune or Chernobyl or the Thor movies. My M is going to be played by Jared Harris. And my Q is going to be played by David O'Yellowo. Uh, so my cold open is uh, James Bond and Felix are in an underground poker game. Uh, through dialogue, we realize this is part of Felix's bachelor party. There are jokes back and forth where Felix teases James about never settling down. When the other members of the game realize Felix and Bond are counting cards, they are roughly escorted out of the game and taken to a back room. This is where we see Riz Ahmed's Bond is different from Daniel Craig's Bond, where Craig's Bond is referred to as a blunt instrument rather than a scalpel. Riz Ahmed's Bond is the scalpel. While not afraid to throw a punch, he relies much more on his brain and his mouth to get out of a situation. He's like one part MacGyver and one part Danny Ocean. When left alone, he breaks himself and Felix out of where they out of where they were and walk from the back room to the main room of the club where the beautiful Tracy Draco is seated at a table. Bond is immediately attracted to her and when she looks back at him, Adele steps on stage and sings the movie's Bond theme and the opening credits kick in as Felix and Bond escape the club. And so for the main plot of my movie, uh, Mark Ange Draco, head of Europe's biggest crime syndicate, is murdered by an assassin. MI6 believes Blofeld was behind the assassination, and if Bond can find the assassin, he can find Blofeld. The movie is going to be more of like a detective-style movie that takes place in the criminal underworld of Europe. Throughout the movie, Bond is traversing uh, Europe along with Mark Ange's daughter Tracy, uh, who we saw earlier, obviously, looking for the assassin. Bond, uh, in, throughout the movie, Bond and Tracy slowly fall for each other. Felix acts as Bond's partner since it's more of that detective-style movie. You have them working together. But Felix also feels like a third wheel with Tracy there, adding to comedic elements, where you have Brad Pitt kind of in the movie, but he's not the romantic interest. Uh, we learn that B Blofeld has trained a group of female assassins who can hide in plain sight. James Bond must survive the assassins to get to Blofeld and stop him once and for all. The final movie is Bond and Tracy's wedding, and this is where my rule comes in, because making a cameo as the minister is George Lazenby, who obviously played Bond in the original movie. And that is my pitch. Okay. All right. We have a couple things here. Um, one quick question before we go. Tristan, I think Bobby and I both just missed. Who was your director? 
Uh, my director was Kathy Yan. Uh, Dead okay. Pigs, and uh, I think Dead Pigs, she definitely captured like the big scope of all this place and these and these relationships between the characters. I thought was something I wanted to focus on is uh, really the relationship between those two characters, and I think she could capture that relationship. And I think she showed in in both of those movies an ability to capture like the tone of Bond, where it's slightly larger than life, it's slightly whimsical, but it's not so big. I don't want her to go as big as she goes in like Birds of Prey. You know, I want it to be like like it was in Dead Pigs, where she is slightly larger than life in its tone, but it's not like distracting in the way that Birds of Prey was. And I think that she'd be able to do that in this movie here. Okay. All right. Um, Bobby, do you have any questions before they fight? Uh, not really. I kind of, I get the idea of both movies. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm all set. All right. Can I, can yeah, I ask a question uh... real quick? Cause I just wasn't hundred percent sure of the, of uh, Tristan's rule. Oh yeah, that, right. I'm a set mark. Uh, my rule is that I did a cameo of a Lazenby as well, but for me, my Lazenby cameo, I didn't actually get into it. I it's in sort of a further breakdown, but I'll mention that like throughout their journey, these two are kind of going closer and closer as they're exploring the various places of Italy, and then Lazenby shows up as like uh, their uh, gondola driver when they're other in Venice, and he kind of like has this moment where he speaks to them about like love and about like how he is. They have this kind of moment together where we get a kind of a touching scene with Lazenby and the and the and the two leads together. Yeah, and Joe, yours was the cameo too. It wasn't the Adele part. No, right? no, no. Because I didn't count her like stepping out and starring. Because that's yeah. the only time she's on screen. Is she like walks from the yeah. back and starts singing the Bond theme? In the I thought so, but I just want to make sure because I heard that yeah. first. I'm like, oh, you're doing the song thing, and went to like write it down, and then you no. said the Lazenby one. So no, yeah, Lazenby as the minister is my cameo. All right, cool. Okay. All right. So I, it's been so long since we did this. So what do we do, Joe? We do a minute for yeah, you? Yeah. Uh, no, Tristan starts, so he gets a minute, then I get a minute, then Tristan gets two, and I get two. Got it. Got do, it. Do you All have right. the timer, Johnny? So I got my stopwatch going. Right. Tristan, I'll start it when you start talking. All right. I want to focus in on my version of Bond here. I think my Henry Cavill Bond is definitely my most leaning into a fan casting in terms of a major Bond casting here. And I wanted to do that because this is going to be kind of like a, a very romantic bond, the one that I think gives fans kind of the pleasure of seeing the character they want. But and I also think Henry Cavill is like the very could pull off that romantic lead while also being an action hero. You know, he has the action chops in Mission Impossible to pull off the fights, but I also think he has the charm and the personality to have that romantic lead that I had. I don't think he's quite gotten the chance to do yet. So I think it would be fun to see them both do that together. And for me, his bond, I have the cold open be him kind of on this ultra confident mission. Like he's the man, you know, he's going on. He's, he's, no one can stop him. You know, Q and M are giving him these directions. He's just kind of ignoring him and doing his own thing. And he's very unstoppable. And the seconds. chance for him to slow down with Kate Winslet, someone who's different than them, older than him and kind of different than whom he normally goes after, is a chance for him to slow down and readdress himself a little bit. And that's how they ultimately fall in love by the end. All right. Joe? Your minute starts when you talk, start talking. All right. I'm not really going to attack Tristan's rule choice. I feel like it's when it comes to rule choice, we basically kind of did the same thing in different ways. It's just George Lason be cameo, and it's just kind of where you choose to place him. Uh, my thing against Tristan is more the director. I feel the one movie I saw of hers was uh, Birds of Prey, and I feel like that movie was kind of all over the place, and I think a lot of the problem, some of that problem was with the writing, but I think a lot of the problem is with the directing. 
uh, where it was like one part Harley Quinn movie, one part Birds of Prey movie. None of it really stood out above the other. And I also don't know if uh, she would be interested in doing a Bond movie. It's a very male-centric, you know, testosterone franchise. And, you know, with her movie Dead Pigs, which was a female lead, then you also have Birds of Prey, which is very much a female movie. I don't think anything like Bond would ever interest her and attract her into doing a movie like this, especially if we're going to go with a Henry Cavill-type lead who's like this big, strong, masculine guy i just don't know if that's if i were to pick you know her to do a bond that'd be the bond where i'd be like okay maybe we do a female-led bond or something right. different like that but all right tristan you get a two-minute rebuttal make some strong points here all right joe mentioned birds of prey having problems with its direction i don't think it was her direction i think birds of prey had a problem where the warner brothers brought in other directors and tried to change it up and brought in a bunch of scenes that she hadn't even shot and try to kind of change up the movie so i don't blame her for some of that stuff uh and I also want to say that, like, the last Bond movie was really improved when they brought in Phoebe Waller-Bridge, a woman who's been uh, the lead of this feminist show, uh, Fleabag, and she came in and kind of revitalized the franchise. They had to bring a female perspective on. And the fact that this is a, a romantic forward movie where Kate Winslet plays this model who is also questioning her role the same way that Bond is. You know, she's saying, look, I'm stuck in this role as being a model, and I kind of want to break out and do something more than just be like an online Instagram influencer. I want to expose the truth of this, uh, this, this, uh, this uh, secret plan where uh, Tilda Swinton's character is brainwashing these women through this supposed self-help group into being her soldiers. And she wants to be able to break out from her role and do something different. So I think that saying that's like, oh, it's a masculine movie. So this woman won't want to direct it. I think that really puts women into a, a corner as directors. Like a woman doesn't have to always direct like women, movies you know <laughs> like you can bring women have been involved in bond since the beginning like the first bond movie was co-written by a woman and one of the producers in the bond franchise is a woman like women are all over this franchise so i don't think it's out of place for her to come in and do it and i think henry cavill could pull off that romantic lead of bond and i think the kind of like sweeping set pieces of florence you know you have like the red rooftops the chase scene jumping around on the, on the rooftops of florence like that's really iconic imagery over the alleyways and stuff like that i think that would look gorgeous and kind of like the tight-knit alleyways, tight-knit corners that's really built for chases. And I think it's like a really unique location that we haven't seen Bond go to yet. So I think throwing Bond into that location would be a really fun way to do it. So yeah, I think mine is a really fun move for uh, uh, her career. It uh, is a romantic and also fun take on Bond, which I think captures everything that the original movie was about, romance and fun. All right. Joe? Final two minutes, and then Bobby and I are going to go to a decision. We'll address any last questions if we have any after your pitch. All right, ready after for me? After your fight. Yep. All right, so uh, another problem, I, like you said, like women have been all over Bond, and that's true, and I'm not saying a woman can't direct Bond or shouldn't direct Bond. I was just saying for her career, based on what she's done, I just personally don't think she would be interested in maybe a male-centric franchise specifically bond however there's other problems i have with your franchise like the elliot page casting like bond is very much a british franchise and i don't know how like it would go or like if i care to see or want to see a you know canadian american in the role as prominent as q uh, and then some positives mine because i haven't heard any negatives against mine you talk about like the romant romanticism and fun i feel like that's very much guy Ritchie's wheelhouse and some of the other things i like about my movie is like i could see a very much fun romantic you know interesting dynamic between scarlett johansson and riz ahmed i feel like they could be fun and interesting together i also thought the kind of fun interesting dynamic between 
uh, Riz Ahmed and Brad Pitt as Felix and James Bond could be really fun, R really cool to watch, uh, something I'd be interested in. And part of the reason I cast Scarlett Johansson as my Tracy is because we've seen her as Black Widow the last you know, few years. You, We as an audience buy her as someone that can fight. And so when you have Riz Ahmed as like this kind of smooth talker guy that uses his brain to get out of a situation to have 40 the, seconds left. his like female romantic lead be the one that fights and be the one that's more of the physical person while also you know being you know beautiful and all that i feel like that adds an interesting and different dynamic that we haven't seen before and could be something fun in a bond movie and uh yeah that's really all i have to say as far as keeping to defend mine when it hasn't even faced any attacks all right well it's interesting because uh, I've gone kind of back and forth on these fights. Um, I'll start with a couple things. I mean, Bobby, w w yeah. let me give you let me let me hear what you're thinking. Uh, maybe that'll sway me one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, we've gone back and forth. I think kind of both of us because same here. I was leaning one way, then I was leaning the other way. Um, I think I like uh, overall. I think the director choice. I lean towards Joe because. I think Guy Ritchie for Bond is a pretty is a very good fit. I, I like you know him doing British anything is good, but also um, I like his take on Man from Uncle. And speaking of Man from Uncle, I do really like Henry Cavill as Bond over um, over Joe's. But I think what it I think what it comes down to, um, it comes down to the story that you're telling and the director that I have the kind of confidence that they would be able to to tell it in the right way for James Bond. And I think I'm leaning Joe in that way. Um, Joe, I did. I don't like your cast nearly as much. I, th I, other than Elliot Page, which I agree is kind of an odd casting for Q. I like Tristan's cast better, um, but Kathy Ann, I, I'm, I was not a big fan of Birds of Prey, the direction of it and the style. Uh, I don't really see that fitting Bond, um, and I trust Guy Ritchie to give me a good Bond movie, and I like your Bond casting enough to get me through kind of some of their other choices I don't like. So um, I'm leaning Joe, but I'm like maybe fifty-one, forty-nine. I'm very close. Yeah, it's tough because if I'm I'm laying everything out on the table, I hate Joe's cast for the most part, and I don't love. Honestly, I think both movies improved if you just switch casts. Yeah, like Joe did a better pitch for Tristan's actors. I don't like Henry Cavill and Kate Winslet in Tristan's movie. I would have liked Riz Ahmed. I'm not a scarred Joe fan, but I think she would do better in like the love story type of movie that Tristan was telling. And I think Joe's movie would be better with like a charismatic Henry Cavill going with Brad Pitt rather than Riz Ahmed, who I can't really see as like a good, you know, charismatic guy to be with Brad Pitt's Felix and that. I don't think he fits that style. So it's tough for me. But yeah, I think at the end, what it's going to come down to is as someone who's seen Dead Pigs and really enjoyed it and surprised how much i liked uh the harley quinn birds of prey movie there's not one thing in either of those movies that i would point to and say yeah kathy yon she'd be a good bond director i don't really like that fit so at the end of the day i i'm not completely sold on either movie but i think guy Ritchie is the kind of the tiebreaker there because outside of i was gonna say i don't like the george lazenby cameo but then both of you did the george lazenby cameo um and you know it was it was close but Guy Ritchie, I, I trust more with the Bond film. Um, he's very up and down, but I really, really liked uh, 
Wrath of Man, his latest movie. So I'm more sold on him as like for a Bond action movie than anything that Kathion showed me. So, you know, uh, we'll see. Maybe one day she'll direct a movie and she'll prove me wrong. But as of now, I'm giving the first point to Joe, but ever so slightly. Tristan, I think you would have won that point if you told that movie from Tilda Swinton's perspective. Yeah. Um, with your director. I think that would have fit really well, but I didn't see her doing a Henry Cavill style um, Bond movie. But when you were telling me Tilda Swinton, I wanted that to go that direction, but it didn't. Yeah, I agree. Can I ask Tristan a question real quick? When it came to the James Bond cameo, were you struggling and figuring out like who the fuck am I even going to have cameo? Because it's like there's kind of they're either like nobodies that you wouldn't recognize, and it's like why is this person cameoing, or it's literally like Daniel Craig or Pierce Brosnan or Timothy Dalton. Yeah, somehow that became the hardest rule because yeah, I was that's, like, that's where I was <laughs> is too. Some random person, no you one's going to know, or someone has in. no right being. Yeah. In and like all of movies. the henchmen are essential. All of the like prominent henchmen are in like villains that people recognize are from the older Bonds, and they're all dead now so it was like literally we had four options of people to cameo and that's essentially the last four james bonds or like the last three and i would have liked switch what you have with george lazenby improves tenfold if you make that sean bean joe and i think that makes your movie stronger just throw him in that role tristan i kind of like because he's the gondola guy but he didn't really fit like lazenby if he throws on screen especially if it's for on her majesty's secret service is gonna throw me yeah. off but you both did it so okay, i I'm couldn't not gonna... really fault you for it but yeah i think sean bean would have been a good uh a good uh actor to do that because people recognize him and he was in a bond movie yeah. and he could have been flipped as like a good guy for for yeah. a role and that would have been cool also i was so hard trying not to have george lazenby at some point and whenever i was cameoing have him say the line uh, this never happened to the other fellow, but have it like make sense for the plot. And I, I was like, that might sink me. So I decided against yeah. it. You should have had him say, you have all the time in the world. All the that time in the world. What, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would have been good. But we got that a lot in no time to die. So yeah. Yeah. I guess you didn't really need that. I'm glad Tristan right, at least so... agreed with me that that cameo was a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I was like, sure. Yeah, I, I don't indeed, know I why that was so hard for you guys. I know. But I could have come up with right. a bunch of cameos. <laughs> Um, um. Anyway, so Tristan lost. Did you upset, one, so update the, uh, the scoreboard. Movie. I did. I'm gonna go with Goldeneye as my next movie, and uh, I'll go ahead and go first on this one also. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Good. I feel a little more organized. I had to run and grab my notebook while you guys were pitching on that last one, but now I have it. So, Goldeneye came out in 1995. It's another one of my top five Bond movies. Um, this. Uh, was Pierce Brosnan's first movie as Bond. Years after friend and fellow double O agent is killed on a joint mission, a secret space ba- uh, space-based weapons program known as Goldeneye is stolen. James Bond sets out to stop a Russian crime syndicate from using the weapon. Um, there's a lot more to go into Goldeneye, but that's a solid base premise for it. Um, so Tristan, I am interested to see what you have to uh, pitch for us on this one. So for me, I tried to make Goldeneye into something that I feel like has been missing in the last couple of Bonds, which is just like a straightforward Bond going on a mission, good action movie, you know? I think the Craig movies tried a lot to get into the connected plots and all these larger-than-life storylines, and I wanted to just do, okay, straight to the point, Bond action movie. I set mine in the 1970s, and it follows a real double-O agent. Uh, so when he, he goes and kills his partner, and he sets off to sell the secrets of MI6 and the, uh, all the government secrets he knows to the highest bidder. 
So now Bond is hired to track down this rogue agent before it's too late. So we get kind of a similar premise of Goldeneye, but changing up the actual like plot of the villain. So he's trying to take his take his secrets that he knew as being a spy and sell them to the highest bidder. And I had mine set in Las Vegas. I think it'll kind of maximize the visual quality because my director here is uh, Dustin Daniel Creighton, who did Shang-Chi just recently. I think that really showed his his prowess in the action department and the visual department. I think he's going to be a great future director, so I think Bond is a good fit for him. And my Bond in here is Henry Golding, uh, coming off of Crazy Rich Asians. I thought he was great in that. And Snake Eyes didn't do great financially, but I thought he really showed promise as a leading actor, especially in the action scene, so I think he is a good pick for that. Uh, the Bond girl that he falls in love with is Felicity Jones. And uh, the the villain I have played by Andrew Koji. I know Johnny desperately wants him to be Bond, so I wanted to kind of subvert Johnny a bit and make him, he's still playing a double O agent, but he's sort of the double O agent who turned rogue and is kind of on the run and becomes like the foil directly to Henry Golding and kind of like the guy who can fist to fist fight him, you know, because I want to have a villain who can put up his fists and fight Bond, you know, and, and I think Andrew Koji can really pull off that action. And uh, my Q, I have played by uh, Alicia Vikander. I think she would have a really fun time. She's had a bit of a lull in her career, so I think having this kind of like a supporting role in a big franchise would boost her pretty well. And my M is played by Tony Leung, who was in Shang-Chi, but he's also a very prolific actor uh, in the mood for love, Infernal Affairs, a lot of uh, big uh, movies of the past. So it'd be fun to see him kind of come back and play this older spy who's kind of uh, in charge of everything here. And, and I'll get to my rule and say that uh, the prominent spy who kind of works alongside Bond and helps him track down Andrew Koji and is sort of like the the Felix of this kind of story is played by Harry Styles, who also performs the song of the movie. Harry Styles is having this budding career. Next year, he's leading a movie uh, directed by the director of Booksmart. Uh, he's has this kind of budding career. He's I don't want to spoil Marvel for you guys, but he might be in a Marvel movie in the future. So he has kind of a growing career right at the verge of taking off. So I think he has the acting prowess and the music prowess to do it. So that's pretty much what I got. It's a very straightforward mission. Bond just goes and hunts down this guy. And I, I didn't get too much into the plot because it's a straightforward Bond plot. I get more into it in the actual fight, but that's what I wanted to go for. Bond on a mission that looks great with great action from a great action director. <clears throat> All right. I, I I liked a lot, a lot of elements of that pitch. Me too. Um, so... Joe, that brings us to you. What do you got to combat with that? All right, so I'm going to start off mine uh, by telling you my rule. And my rule I did for this one is I am telling it from the villain's perspective or perspective, as uh, some people would type out. Uh, my director for this one is Christopher Nolan. Uh, this movie deals a lot with, uh, you know, a male kind of relationship, in like platonic relationship, but still like to – with. Alec Trevelyan and James Bond, and I feel like that's where Christopher Nolan exceeds, whether it's in, you know, the two guys going against each other in The Prestige, or even the Alfred and, and uh, uh, Bruce relationship in the Batman trilogy. I feel like that's uh, Christopher Nolan's bread and butter. So my Alec Trevelyan, who is going to be the lead of my movie, is going to be played by Christopher Nolan's staple, Killian Murphy. My James Bond, also a uh, Christopher Nolan staple, Christian Bale. My M is going to be played by Kenneth Branagh, 
and my Q is going to be played by David Gyasi, who was uh, in Interstellar. I figured it's a small role. It doesn't have to be like a big, prominent actor. And then the uh, person performing my uh, uh, theme song, because it's a little bit different take on Bond. Obviously, it's not a straight-up uh, Bond movie, so I decided to go a little bit different route. And that's uh, Trent Reznor, who the kind of sound I'm picturing for the song is kind of like his uh, his version of the song Hurt, which obviously later covered by Johnny Cash, but that's kind of the tone and feel I'm going for for the song. And so my pitch, uh, the movie cuts back and forth between uh, two, two time periods. The first is... Uh, Trevelyan taking Goldeneye, a program that can control all satellites from MI6, and turning it on before being stopped by Bond. The other is Trevelyan and Bond's growing friendship and what happened to cause it to fall apart. So the cold open of my movie is Trevelyan breaking into MI6 and stealing Goldeneye. Uh, the majority of the movie is Trevelyan and Bond playing cat and mouse across Europe as Trevelyan tries to get Goldeneye back to his lair. And then, as well as Trevelyan and Bond's first mission together, where they try to stop Spectre from causing the United States and England to go to war with China. We see them go from two men on a mission together to friends, uh, which I feel like is one of the aspects that was kind of missing from the original GoldenEye. We never saw them really as friends. It just kind of started with them, and then, like, immediately Trevelyan turned on Bond. So I think it would be kind of interesting if throughout the movie we saw them as friends because to kind of add to that impact so the final climax is the showdown between bond and trevelyan in present day as well as the reveal in the flashback that trevelyan is actually working for specter and trying to bring down mi6 from the inside trevelyan tells bond a story he says once there was an ira agent and his wife this ira agent was making some noise where mi6 didn't like he had led a coup against the queen and nearly had her assassinated they sent an agent to kill him agent 006 actually what the 006 at the time didn't know was that he was being watched by a little boy who saw him shoot a man while he slept bond asked trevelyan if he was the little boy and trevelyan says yes and bond says he is sorry you saw 006 kill his father he had no idea Trevelyan laughs and says that his father wasn't the one who died, but the 006. A month later, his father died on a mission, but he got no parade, no acknowledgement of what he did for his country in the newspaper. He was tossed aside and forgotten. A few years later, Trevelyan said he joined the military and was eventually brought into MI6. They had no idea he knew what his father did, but his mission was to make them never forget. Bond says he is sorry for what happened, but he can't just let him go. The two fight, but Trevelyan gets away. Cut to present day. Bond and Trevelyan are face-to-face -face again. Bond asks Trevelyan why he wants Goldeneye, and Trevelyan tells him if there are no more satellites, there are no more spy satellites. The world of espionage as they know it will be over, and no more little boys will have to lose their fathers to countries that don't care if they live or die. Bond tries to reason with him, and they say that MI6 does more good than they do bad. Trevelyan doesn't care, and it ends with them with their guns pointed at each other. Being a Nolan movie, it cuts to black, and we hear gun one gunshot, unsure of who shot who. So I feel like my movie it cuts into... A lot of what Nolan's good at with the like male relationship, with the multiple uh, storylines, and then I just like the idea of telling the story from Trevelyan's perspective, where MI6 may not be uh, wholly good, and uh, that's my pitch. Joe, did you write that before you saw No Time to Die? Uh, yeah, I wrote this. <laughs> oddly similar yeah plot I'm like, wise, but i was thinking yeah. that and i was like but he wrote this so long yeah, i wrote this like a, a month and a half ago and i was like you very know what? similar i'm just gonna roll mm -hmm. with it obviously different aspects but a lot of that uh yeah same kind themes, of villain, uh, can we can we go sure. back to where we had this show before this movie came out and we didn't know 
No, but I know you wrote it beforehand because we've been working on this for so long. So I, I you should have predicted some more, uh, more hot takes from uh, No Time to Die, even though you got your uh, No Time to Die line. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You had the whole plot figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby, before they get into it, any questions for him? Um, I mean, I just to right out there, I like both pitches quite a bit. There's like a couple aspects in each. I'm, I'm not as big on, but like overall, really, really good pitches but i would say um in goldeneye boris is like a memorable kind of side character and it has one of the best moments of a like directed scene with a I'm bond. Invincible. yeah but with a bond gadget with the pen mm-hmm. do you have any like you know memorable kind of side characters or gadget things involved in your movies hmm. joe Tristan. oh i i, I was um yeah, uh, mine, like, I have, because, like, Trevelyan's the lead, and he has, like, his people, and so you have your memorable side characters in there, kind of like the people from other spy agencies that he's worked with in the past that he's now kind of accrued to his cause of taking down MI6, people that maybe potentially feel wronged by, you know, the spy agencies they've worked for in the past or whatever, people that have their vendettas, and so you can kind of get your weird, like, maybe, like, someone that worked for the KGB or, you know, People, someone that worked for the CIA, and you kind of can have your weird uh, various characters in there. I would have a bunch of gadgets. I think gadgets are a really fun aspect of Bond, especially when you have like a 70s throwback kind of Bond. So I think the Vegas setting would lead into some gadgets. You'd have like a dice where you uh, press a certain number a certain times and it's a grenade. You know, you'd have like a, uh, a playing card where he rubs it a certain way and he can kind of like remove his fingerprints so he doesn't have to worry about like leaving a trace. And I think that would be really fun to lead into the Vegas aspect and have a scene sort of like in Dr. No from Much What Love where he's going through like his briefcase and you see like sort of like everything he has built up ready to go for this Vegas mission. So I would definitely want to lead into the Vegas aspect and give him some cool Vegas oriented gadgets. All right. Yeah, that was the answer I was hoping for, for kind of both of you. I, especially with the 70 setting, I was hoping Tristan leaned into the gadgets. Um, I, I, I like both pitches a lot. Both of you kind of mentioned like how your movies look and everything. So in your kind of one minute openings, the thing I want you to kind of focus on each of you is what does the action look like in your movies? Um, What differentiates your action from something that we've gotten from like the Craig era? Um, Or do you want to continue with similar action to the Craig era? You both sound like you want to change it up a bit. I want to know how it's going to look different Um, since Tristan started He'll get his minute first, and I will start the timer when you start talking. So when I imagine the action in this movie, I definitely imagine just the the use of the setting and the use of the lights. And I imagine a brawl in like a casino hall, you know, kind of spiraling out into the lights and the flashing sounds and all that kind of stuff. And I would really like to lean into that. You know, you had like Godzilla versus Kong and all these movies coming out that really have like a very high colorful aesthetic and i think i would want to lead into that and i think yeah dustin daniel Creighton has shown that he can do that in shang chi uh so that would be my kind of look very very bright and leaning into the colors and especially focusing on the hand-to-hand combat i think we've seen a lot of like bond action sequences but i want to see bond like getting fist to fist that's why i've uh, cast andrew koji and henry golding because i think both of them can show the can show the action chops especially andrew koji and i want a villain who can sell that so for me, yeah, that's my action. Very colorful and fun. And I, yeah, a, sp- a, a bra spiraling out into the casino floor. How do you not think that's awesome? A, a car chase through this Las Vegas strip. Like you can just see 
all these sequences playing out in your head as you're doing it, like going through downtown Vegas and there's all those beautiful neon visuals. I just really think the the spectacle of the action is what you're gonna come to see this for. So I definitely wanna lean into that with my movie. And I think Henry Golding also has like the romantic charm. All right, you know, all, I think... right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Sorry, it's been a minute. I, I let you go <laughs> I on a little were, bit. I thought you were saying I had yeah, time left. I was like, oh, I guess no, I got no, a minute no, no. left. I, was I, was, like, I gotta say more yeah. stuff. <laughs> no, I I set the thing down because I was interested in what you were saying, and then I was like, oh fuck, it's been a minute. I'll let him finish. So, Joe, I'll let you go a little over if you need to, but um, I'll start when you talk. All right, because mine has like the different like timelines or like the you know one the time the you know part where you see them grow as friends, you have them. That's kind of different than the ones. It's them like fighting together against. You know, the, you know the the enemies of the movie of like taking down like Spectre, the organization that's trying to cause. Uh, war, you know, cause England to go to war with China and all that. So that's kind of a different aspect of them fighting together and stuff like that and, like, fighting, like, groups of – massive groups of people. Like, that's the one thing you didn't really see, like, necessarily in the Daniel Craig is, like, him versus, like, large groups of people. And I feel like that's something uh, Christopher Nolan could do. And I know he probably – there were complaints, like, all oh, the fighting and, like, maybe the Batman trilogy wasn't the best, but – you know, he can learn from that, bring in other people that know, fight choreography more, and work on that. And one of the other things, too, is uh, for the times where they're, like, in the timeline where they're going against each other, since you don't want to see them, like, fight hand-to-hand every time they run into each other, like, a couple times, sure. But I would like to do, like, more car chases and stuff like that. Like, remember the, tr- the truck flip scene from The Dark Knight, just more, like, big spectacle kind Five of things seconds. like that is uh, what I would go for more when they're fighting against each other. Okay. All right. So yeah, Joe's more of the full-on action stunt set pieces. I I picture more for you, and Tristan is like the big fight scenes and the Hand-hand elaborate set stuff, yeah. pieces and stuff. Yeah. All right. So I'm pretty sold on both. Um, there are some elements I think you guys can hit on, and I'll see if you do in your fights. And I think it's mm-hmm. going to come down to who hits on the weak points of the other films and points out their strengths a little. A little more than the other person so tristan i'm gonna put two minutes on the clock um when i say one minute you'll actually have a minute left this time <laughs> um so i'll start when you when you begin i think my director is a better fit for bond he's this young kind of hungry director who is kind of ready to get out and break out onto the scene and i think nolan has already found his place in a way like he i don't think nolan has a reason to go make a bond movie he's already made his own bond movies uh, multiple times in a way like i think he's has a level of individual creative freedom where I don't think he necessarily wants to go back to franchise work. I think Bond wants to just, or I mean, I think Nolan wants to just do his own thing. I feel like at this point in his career, a Bond movie would be a, a somewhat of a step back for him because he's he's done Inception. He's done Tenet, he's done Interstellar movies that I think are bigger and bolder than Bond is. And I also think, uh, you, sure, but maybe Nolan can sell like a, a car crashing in the Dark Knight really well, but he's he hasn't shown he's good action in terms of close the action, in terms of people actually fighting each other, in terms of Bond, like, doing, being there, doing things. Like, sure, you're going to have a cool car chase, maybe two, but, like, the rest of the action is not going to sell in your movie. Nolan, you say, oh, we could bring in other people. Like, sure, he could, One but he hasn't left. shown that he's done that in the past. So I think you're, you're betting on the fact that Nolan's going to all of a sudden make a movie different than he's made before when he hasn't shown a sign that he's going to do that. I think Nolan can make an all right Bond movie, but I think that Daniel... Uh, Dustin Daniel Creighton could make a great Bond movie, one that really brings Bond into the future and really kind of like sets 
up what the next step of the franchise is going to be with this really kind of focus on tight tight set pieces, tight action, fighting hand-to-hand, not the big spectacle. I think a Nolan Bond sounds like something that maybe could have come out in the Craig era, but I think Dustin Daniel Creighton Bond sounds like a 2021 Bond, 2022 Bond, like a future Bond that kind of sets the franchise up for the, for the next stage with a really exciting, fun cast too. So I think mine just sounds like a better step for the Bond franchise and a better step for the director's career. All right. Okay, Joe, I'll begin the two minutes when you start talking. All right, as far as uh, Christopher Nolan directing, he's basically been auditioning to direct Bond, you know, for a lot, for a large portion of his career, you know, have like the snow scene and Inception, and he said before he wants to direct Bond, so like he, he wants to do it, so you know, whether you think he wants to or whatever, he said he has wanted to. Um, And as far as like the fight scenes, like there hasn't really been anything since The Dark Knight Rises that's really had, you know, much hand on hand. There were some in Tenet in that I think those were parts of Tenet I enjoyed. I think he kind of loses himself too much with the sci-fi and that's why mine doesn't really have a lot of sci-fi in it. And I think what I care more about, like the fight scenes are good and you want good choreography, but I care more about like the emotion and everything surrounding the fight and the reason for the fight. And like the Joker and Batman, you know, fight in The Dark Knight isn't the most incredible choreography, but it's iconic because of the performance, because of the characters, because of that. And that's more what I want with my Nolan movie of when you have the hero and villain going against each other, especially from the villain's perspective. Like he made the Joker iconic, Bane's iconic. He great performances uh, from Christian Bale as like the basically the bad guy in the prestige and same with Hugh Jackman both of those are bad guys so I think it'd be interesting to see a Christopher Nolan movie from the bad guy's perspective and as far as your movie you're talking about taking the franchise and the next step forward it feels more like you're like oh it's a 70s movie it feels like you're more just going back to the Roger Moore era with you know like the goofy gadgets and all that I don't know if that's necessarily like oh the next step forward of the franchise when the franchise has been about like taking what's popular I don't know if like oh we're just going to kind of go back to what we did in the 70s I feel like that's not exactly doing what's popular when it comes to Bond Giant Cheese really unpopular yeah, but I'm just saying, going back to the 70s, Las Vegas, like, Las Vegas is not, like, this big thing, like, in the forefront of pop culture that, like, everyone's saying, like, oh, let's put our movie in. It's not like all these movies have been going to Vegas that James Bond is like, oh, we need to go to Las Vegas, too. It's like, oh, it's like this. All right. Five seconds. All right. That's. Okay. Um, It's tough. I'm going to have Bobby make the final call on this, but real quick, because neither of you did what I needed you to do. Joe, maybe a little more than Tristan. On the two minutes, I was hoping you guys would hit on the weak points of the other person's film, and Tristan just talked more and more about the action, which we heard enough about in the one minute, and Joe didn't exactly point out some of the negatives. So I want you to just very briefly, I'm going to give each of you a turn, tell me the strongest aspect of your movie and the weakest aspect of the other person's movie. Brief 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 so tristan i'll start with you so briefly i'm going to say that joe his his director aims for ambition he aims for these big huge projects that are going to pioneer cinema and change like the way that the craft is done and it feels like he's settling for bond sure he wants to do it i just don't think it would be ambitious for him as a, as a director to do it i just don't see this i just don't see that being anything more than just another kind of forgettable Bond movie that sure has has the big name attached to it, but I just don't see it doing anything particularly new. That's my biggest problem is his just doesn't feel like anything new to Bond. And the biggest pro for me is that mine feels like a new direction for Bond. I focus a lot on my on my 
director, but I think my cast shows that too. So I really thought, sure, it goes back to the 70s, but like the style is all very modern. It's all shot in a, in a modern way of action movies are shot. So I wouldn't say it's like going back. I think mine feels like a modern movie, a, a step forward. All right, and Joe, uh, same thing to you. I think the biggest pro of my movie is focusing on the dynamic between the hero and the villain. I feel like that's you know very interesting and very compelling, and something that's like kind of touched on. But the villain's always like generically bad, and the hero's always like generically good. So I think in- introducing, especially when you're telling it from the villain's perspective, introducing a little bit of gray area to that, especially with Nolan directing, is. Uh, the best part of my movie, and I think the worst part of uh, Tristan's movie is just the going back to, and like saying we're going to introduce something new to Bond and then going back to the 70s Las Vegas. is just feels very much like going back to the old way. Alright. Um, yeah. I'll have Bobby do the final call on this. Yeah, you give me what you're thinking now. It's tough because Joe's weakest point is his ending sucks and yep. it's horrible, but Tristan didn't even mention that. So I don't know if he just wasn't paying attention or thought that was a decent Nolan ending, but that ending, I would be so pissed at a Bond movie. I would be so mad out, about that. <laughs> and it just cut to black with both guys pointing a gun to each yeah, other. I think that was... Was a, that was a really bad one. Um, and I think Tristan's strongest point is that it's a 70s throwback. And Joe kept hitting on that, but that, that wasn't doing anything for me because I think that would be like the next thing I want in a Bond movie is either to do like a period piece and set it back so you can actually have those fun gadgets again because you're kind of past that, in, you know, in the 2020s. Um, so Joe was hitting on that and I didn't find that a weak point. Tristan was hitting on that he didn't think Joe's movie was ambitious enough to be Nolan. Tenet sucked. I thought that movie was bad. And I would love to see Nolan go back to not having like the whole like, oh, I want like I can do whatever I want. I think he needs to stop getting blank checks and I'd like him to be in a Bond movie. So I think that actually was a strong point of Joe. So you both kept hitting on points that I liked on the other persons. I think at the end of the day, if I'm really looking at what movie I want to watch more, it's going to be Tristan's here because I don't like Joe's ending. And as far as like a Nolan movie, um, Yes, he's had iconic villains in some of his movies, but nothing has shown me like he shouldn't do a movie from, you know, the hero's perspective. And I think that would give him more of a chance to make a better movie. I think you kind of weakened his perspective on that the way you told it. And Tristan, I like, uh, you know, he he only talked about the action for the most part, but I think the action sounds cool. I think the 70s is a good step for it. And and I like his cast a lot. So, and I'm, I'm more sold on Henry Golding as Bond than I am a Christian Bale as Bond, even though he's kind of a secondary character in Joe's movie. So that's where I'm leaning. It is closer. Um, you know, it's not as close as the last one, but I'm probably like 60, 40 Tristan. So I'm interested to see if Bobby agrees with me or disagrees. Yeah. As, as they went, like when I first was hearing the pitches, um, I was like, Oh, Tristan gave a really good pitch. I like the idea. Henry Golding has been my choice for Bond ever since I, I saw crazy rich Asians. Um, then Andrew Koji, obviously he's great too. So I didn't like that. It's the same casting from snake eyes, but I, I liked the casting overall. Um, and I liked your pitch, Joe, when yours was going, I was like, Oh, you might've actually beaten Tristan's pitch. And then that ending happened. And I'm like, I, I don't like the ending, but I, I need to hear more about it. Um, I really like the idea of, of Nolan being confined again in a bond movie. I think that's, a, that actually could be a good idea for him. Cause he went way too over the top with tenant, um, 
he's getting to the point where you can hardly hear dialogue and, and stuff like that with, with yeah. like he's going way over the top with all his Nolanisms at this point. Um, but honestly, I think the ending of Joe's movie and then Tristan overall, I really like the idea of a more hand-to-hand combat, but also with gadgets, throw, throwing it back. I think I liked the action style that you described. I like your choices for Bond and for your villain um, and your director choice. So I'm going with Tristan. All right. One, one after two fights. Um, so Joe, that leads us to you picking the next movie and where are we going to go with and who's going first? Uh, Tristan started every time. So I'll start this one. Uh, and, uh, we will do license to kill. All right. And, be- and I before will say we it, was, that, it was hard to find a negative against Tristan's cause I really liked his movie overall. I'm like, fuck, I, I like that probably yeah. better than mine. And so find a negative. Uh, it was set in the 70s, I guess. That, that's a thing. No, it is bad. <laughs> yeah. And uh, before we get to that, we, we, uh, Johnny, we yeah, have I didn't mention comments. it. Yeah, see? Oh, yeah. Let us hear our, yeah. our comments. Um, so M. Sten in the, in the chat, who I know as Elena, uh, says Nolan doesn't need to do a Bond movie. Nolan's Bond would have an ex- existential crisis before he can finish his mission. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I think is... Uh, a, a funny but probably wouldn't happen point but uh someone's yeah, on my overall, side yep yeah, definitely on the i know she's not as or they they are not as big of a fan as uh, of james bond or sorry of uh well james bond or of nolan so this is an interesting episode for the, them to watch um but yeah. yeah the um the one thing i would have hit on for tristan for joe was um felicity jones has never showed me much as an actress in terms of anything she's done i thought she was very bland yeah. in rogue one and i thought she was terrible in the awful movie theory of everything. So I would have hit on that and I would have hit on um, changing it up a little too much from the original plot. I think Joe stayed a little more true to what golden I was, but I didn't really hear enough of, of any of those. So Tristan's uh, overall was stronger. So Joe, where are we going next? You said license, license to, to kill. kill, right? And I'll go first. All right. License to kill came out in 1989. This was uh, the second film of um, the great Timothy Dalton. Um, after capturing a drug lord, Felix Leiter is left for dead and his wife is murdered. James Bond goes rogue and seeks vengeance on those responsible as he infiltrates an organization posing as a hitman. Joe, what do we got? All right, so uh, you probably get the direction I'm going with this uh, early on, but my director is uh, Gareth Evans, obviously of The Raid. And I want a very much a that somewhat feel of a movie. Uh, I feel like if that's the direction they're going to head with Bond, uh, why not get the guy who kind of started the trend? Uh, My James Bond, I tried really hard to cast somebody else, but it just didn't feel right to cast anybody else for this movie, and I went with Andrew Koji uh, for my Felix Leiter. Uh, It's going to be a smaller role this time. Uh, I'm going with Keanu Reeves. For the role of Fran Sanchez is where I'm using my rule, and uh the actor i was surprised who may be coming who is in the movie potentially coming up soon but i was surprised as he hasn't really done anything of note in like 15 years and that's alfred molina as my uh villain uh reprising his career whatever that resurrect his career there we go that's the word i was looking for uh, my q my q is gonna be michael sheen uh, my m is uh anthony hopkins and my uh, main Bond girl, Lupe Lamora, is going to be played by Lupita Nyong'o. 
semi-cold open. In a bar in rural England town, James Bond is being harassed by some older locals. Felix warns them to go away, but they don't and keep harassing him. One punches Bond, but he catches the punch and twists his arm, immobilizing the guy. The guy's friends jump in, and it turns into an all-out bar fight, with Felix and Bond holding their own and beating the other 20 guys in the bar, all while cracking jokes with each other. Police come, arrest Bond and Felix, M comes to the station to have Bond released. Apparently, this isn't a rare occurrence. When it's revealed one of the men died, Bond is suspended, and his license to kill has been revoked. The theme song, uh, sung by Lady Gaga, kicks in. A few months later, Felix is in what appears to be an underground fight club in South America. He loses the fight to a much bigger and stronger opponent. Felix dies in the fight. When Bond learns of this, he goes to South America to investigate. Bond learns that the villainous Fran Sanchez is holding a fighting tournament where the winner will be his top henchman that will be granted access to more riches than he can imagine. Bond intentionally gets into a fight with a South American police officer who he beats up. Uh, while in the South American prison, he quickly... He very quickly makes a name for himself as a good fighter. He is soon approached by Fran Sanchez, who tells Bond he will have him released if Bond enters his tournament. Bond accepts, because this was his plan the whole time. The bulk of the movie is Bond fighting in the tournament while investigating Sanchez and learning he is part of Spectre. Sanchez wants a henchman capable of fighting because his plan is to put the henchman in the same prison as Blofeld, the head of Spectre, and for the henchman to break Blofeld out. Bond has to stop the has to win the tournament and defeat Chan Sanchez before he can enact his plan. And along the way, he gets helped with uh, helped by uh, Sanchez's girlfriend, Lupe Lamora, who's kind of the main Bond girl, like I said earlier. And that's my pitch. All right. A lot of things to like in that one. Tristan, what do you got for us? All right. So for my license to kill, uh, first of all, I'll talk about the director that I went with, and that is Alia. Uh, Nashiria, the director of Nobody that just came out this year. Uh, they also did stunt work on John Wick and a lot of the uh, movies that have kind of like revitalized this new era of stunt work. So I think Nobody was a really great like debut to put this director on the map. So I was super excited to see what they're going to do next. So I wanted to see them lead into License to Kill. And for me, I wanted to lead into that original premise. You know, James Bond is unhinged. He's, he's finally has the handcuffs taken off him. He can go completely like a monster out and take out his revenge. And you kind of get to see the dark side of Bond come out uh, in this movie. So for me, uh, the rule that I use is that I'm going to revive the career of Charlie Hunnam. Uh, he was in the breakout star of Sons of Anarchy. He was in Pacific Rim, Lost City of Zeke. He was kind of starting to be like a big Hollywood star for a second after the show ended. And then he made King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. And King Arthur just kind of sunk his career instantly. He didn't do much after that. But he had a Guy Ritchie movie a couple of years ago called The Gentleman. I kind of put him back into the conversation a little bit. So I wanted this to be a chance to, for him to bring his career back. And in Nobody, the director was able to take Bob Odenkirk and turn him into an action star. So I think if he could take uh, Bob Odenkirk, turn him into an action star, he could turn Charlie Hunnam into a really terrifying villain uh, where he plays a human trafficker who uh, takes down Felix in the opening sequence and uh, uh, bound Felix around this mission. And he takes down Felix and... Bond is, of course, in a rage and wants to take him down. But MI6 essentially says, like, look, we can't. This guy's not on our radar. He's way too big. It's not your mission. Bond, you have to listen to us. You have orders, all that kind of stuff. And then Bond essentially just throws in the badge and says, all right, I'm doing it myself. And they just get this balls to the wall action. Uh, Eco U.S. plays Bond in my movie. He was uh, in the Raid movies. And he just recently got announced as being a main character in the new John Wick. So he has 
a growing career as a leading person, as a, as a leading, not the lead of John Wick, of course, but like it's a major villain of John Wick. So he has that uh, star power there, and that talent at least. And I think the director has a, has the history with action to be able to get the most out of a fighting Bond. A Bond, he was pure, like a very much a stunt performer. He could really get the most out of these action sequences. And if he was able to turn Bob Odenkirk into a genuine like action star who sold fight scenes to me, I can't wait to see what he does with an actual fighter. So just yeah, Bond. He there's there's no like Q and M, M like they're in the they're in the beginning, but they're not major characters. This is just Bond, Bond versus the world. Bond taking out his vengeance, and that's kind of like what I wanted to get out of this. And nobody was was very much that. So I think the director is a great fit. Cool. All right. Yeah, I like how you both went with. Uh, okay, this is the revenge thriller Bond. So take, <laughs> I mean, it's set. You know, I mean, it set itself for, perfectly yeah. for that. So you kind of had to go that direction. No, Johnny and I were talking. It's like this is the movie to do that with. And uh, yeah, you both hit on that pretty well. Um, Johnny, do you have any uh, specific questions? Um, as a huge Eco Uace fan, Tristan, is he gonna be? speaking english yeah that's for your that's whole movie question. or is he going to be are they just you know is he just like a foreign bond and he's is subtitled most of the movie look i'm not opposed to having a subtitled bond i think that would be kind of cool i think we've gotten like beyond the idea of bond being one thing and we're kind of pushing a little kind of bit of the boundary so i wanted to just like that was kind of the idea for me of timothy dalton and license kill as a whole was just like really breaking your idea of bond and kind of just like showing you a different version of that character than you're used to. You're used to seeing the Sean Connery, the kind of softer uh, in like you're used to what you think you know with Bond and then you're seeing this very different take. So I, I would not have him be speaking English. I would have him be uh, subtitled the whole time. And he's kind of like a super spot who's hired in to do this specific job that he has to do uh, for, for this role. So that's kind of like, I wouldn't think that they just have double agents and they only like British white dudes. You know, I like the fact that I have this whole collection of agents across the the world and this is like the one double o agents that is in this one okay all right i like that um okay um with that i mean i don't know bobby do you have any questions i'm gonna have you do the uh final decision making on this because i think they're both playing they're both you. so much up yeah. my alley that i want more of yeah. a unbiased opinion making the final call on this yeah, and I'm and I'm uh, I like both pitches. I get where they're going completely. Um, I this movie is one that I really like, but it has a couple things that kind of hold it back from being great. Um, ninjas. And I think well, ninjas and the fact that one, I'm guessing that like in yours, they don't all Felix alive and he's fine, and like they kind of <laughs> go back and everything that they did at the end of the movie. But um, but yeah, uh, and no questions. I'm I'm pretty split. Uh, it'll come down to the arguments for sure. Anything you want them to focus on in the in the arguments that you need to hear a little more of? We heard um, a lot about the action in the last one. I feel like I have a pretty good idea of what they're both going to look like here. Yeah, I mean, I know the action. I guess give me more on each of your bonds and why they are the perfect fit for your director and everything that you chose, um, and how how they would how they would portray Bond and still be recognizable as Bond even in a very different type of movie like this. Yeah, and, the, and going sim very similar to that, I'd like to hear a lot of, like, I want to hear you kind of focus too on the, because a big part of the original license skill, the strongest moment, I thought was the chemistry between Sanchez and Bond, and I want to hear the, the chemistry between your hero and villain is what 
will really sell me on why your movie is stronger than the others uh, for this, because I think that's important for such a personal uh, story here. Um, so Joe, you pitched first, so you get your one minute. I will start the timer as soon as you start talking. All right, so my first attack on Tristan, like I like Eco Uace in the raid, and I feel like probably Johnny and Bobby wouldn't really mind either way if like a subtitled Bond. But I still feel like it's a four quadrant big budget movie having like James Bond having your lead actor be subtitled uh, just completely like diminishes that movie of the interest in that movie, especially for a James Bond that is such a British franchise having a non you know British actor. I feel like that's definitely going to throw people off and you know take people out of the movie, and that's my biggest uh, one of my bigger complaints with uh, Tristan and as far as like Charlie Hunnam is resurrecting his career it's like he was big on TV and then he kind of had like a middling career in movies but he was never like this big leading man so when his last movie was like The Gentleman which he was good in I feel like he's on kind of the path that he's been on sure he had maybe a few years that weren't great but he was never like this top movie guy so I don't know if putting him in a villain in this uh, James Bond movie is exactly like resurrecting his career is and rather just like a, I mean he's still at where he's always all right. been all set Tristan and he made a couple of good points about Charlie Hunnam there um, uh, your one minute starts when you start talking I'm going to talk about my Bond quickly because I think what made Dalton interesting is that he felt like a Bond who was never comfortable in the suit he was never comfortable being the suave sweet talking kind of guy and I got the sense like he was this quiet reserved Bond and I think Eco UA could sell that quiet reserve bond the one who only really speaks when he he needs to you know he has like a blunt instrument for a mouth and he he's not really like a talkative kind of person and i think license to kill is like you're taking that guy and you're letting him go loose and charlie hunnam i think could play the great foil to that he could play the high energy the kind of like unhinged hedonistic kind of character you get a, a complete opposite to what we got out of felix in the original because i think felix is very much a reserved character who's this cold calculated character and i think for this version i wanted to subvert that by making him kind of a larger than life character. And I think Charlie Hunnam definitely is on the edge of like, he was in a huge TV show. Lost City of Z was really, really critically acclaimed. That was like an awards contender. And then he went from that to leading a movie to being completely off the radar. So I think this is a resurrection for him for sure. And I think he would play a really good unhinged wild card villain that would foil really great to Eco Uwe's quiet reserved bond. All right. Um, Okay, so Joe, I'm going to give you two minutes, and uh, we'll see if the two minutes each is enough for us to make our final decision on. All right, so uh, as far as the type of bond uh, Andrew Koji's going to be, I see him as kind of like the, you know, fight first, ask questions later. Like, that's kind of what he is, and that's kind of what also gets him in trouble. Uh, we see we figure that out in the cold open where he gets in that bar fight and you know we realize through his conversation with them that this isn't the first time he's really gotten in trouble for doing something he probably shouldn't do and then as far as uh the relation and then also seeing like i have the action scenes you have the fight scenes and that's one of the things i wanted to focus on you have like the bar fight scene which is its own kind of style then you have all of the tournament fight scenes where which are their own kind of style and you can change it up depending on the type of opponent he's fighting. Is he fighting like this small, lean, kind of flippy type guy? Or is he fighting this big, strong, massive uh, looking guy who can have different type of fights in the tournament? 
And then, but he's also has still that invest, investigative classic Bondness we know while he's like going around uh, Sanchez's compound trying to figure out like what's up with this guy, like who is this guy, why is he holding this tournament, like, and then him finding out that it ties back to Spectre and all of that. And I feel like him and uh, Sanchez, played by Molina, can have a good dynamic, especially I can picture it being like an iconic, memorable moment when Sanchez walks into the prison. And uh, you, you can kind of tell just by his vibe, like this oh, guy sorry, controls. Th- this guy controls the area when everyone in the prison, they just like guards the warden. Everyone just lets this guy into the prison up to uh, Bond's cell to talk to Bond to be mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I've heard you know you've been making your way up the fighting here. I want to invite you to my tournament." And their whole dynamic in the cell while he's fighting in the tournament, where Sanchez is taking note of this guy winning matches and the whole thing. I think they're going against each other especially with Molina not being a fighter but just him being who himself being this big imposing guy uh having his own kind of threat level could be an interesting uh dynamic all right um Bobby you have any final questions or you think you've heard enough to make your call I think I've heard enough at this point all right um I'll start with what I'm thinking here have you seen our uh my fight with uh Bobby in our championship match, I used Andrew Koji as my Bond, and I was victorious. He is my favorite choice for Bond. Um, but I love Eko Uwais, but I think Tristan's movie would have been a little better without Charlie Hunnam because I kind of agree with Joe on the resurrecting his career. Like, A, I don't think he has much of a career to resurrect because he never really had much of a movie career. He's never impressed me. I don't think he's a very good actor. Um, so I don't care about him as the villain. I think Eko Uwais would have made a really good villain in your movie um, as like the international drug lord type of guy. I think that would make more sense than him being Bond. I think Andrew Koji has what Eko Uwais lacks in terms of having all of those same physical tools, but also being the charming Bond. Like you still see with Dalton, you still get those, you know, he can still charm your pants off type of moments and he you know the even just the casino scene in license to kill i don't see that from eco uas and i see andrew koji kind of making his way into this tournament by using his kind of swagger that i don't see from eco uas so i lean towards joe just because i think he had a stronger um he had a couple stronger cast members in there um that i think uh points in the right direction but i like both directors i like both movies but i think joe just slightly edges tristan in terms of what i'm looking for in bond um and bob but bobby's making the final call here so he might disagree with me yeah i mean definitely both were very good pitches especially for this movie i mean this this is the revenge thriller james bond movie um and i think i mean quantum i'll just get right to it um i'm I'm i think i'm definitely giving this one to uh to joe i think you just you kind of upped like you both had similar premises but you both kind of both all your choices kind of were just a step above tristan's as far as director I think Gareth Evans, if you're doing this style of movie, is is a more proven and in like you know amazing fashion uh, in this style than the director of Nobody, which was very good. But you know Gareth Evans has done it a couple times now that were amazing. Um, I think Andrew Koji, as far as charm for Bond, I like to see the charm, um, the British kind of suave for Bond. You know, and, and kind of even if you're going to go the more hand-to-hand combat martial arts way, I I still like that as Bond or Eco Uwais is more of the silent type, I'm sure, in, in that movie. Um, so overall, uh, both good pitches, good takes on License to Kill, which is a movie that I think has a really great premise. 
Uh, but I'm giving it to Joe. Yay. All right, that means Joe is one win away from victory here and challenging for the title. But Tristan, that means that you got to pick one you're pretty confident on. And uh, which one? Oh, we got boy. two left, Spectre or Moonraker? Look, I have two really bold choices for both of these, and I'm not sure which direction hey, to go with. So, so do I. So. <laughs> let's I go with the fun eat- direction. All right, let's yes. do the fun one. We got to go Moonraker, right? Let's end it on. Right. Right. I'm going to be eating some words here in a minute, uh, and you'll see why. Very excited. Yeah, Joe just talked to mad shit about something he's about to do himself, I think. Yeah. I was hoping we wouldn't get this far when I had to talk shit about something. Perfect. All right. Uh, Tristan, who's going first? You or Joe? Joe, you go first. I want to hear you right. backpedal. All right. Um, <laughs> so uh, you'll get Wait. to it when I get... Oh, sorry. All right. Is Moonraker Bobby, came out is Bobby like here? Yeah, What's this one about, Johnny? Yeah, Moonraker came out in 1979. It was... Uh, it was very different than the original novel and it was kind of a response. It was very much a response to the popularity of the 1977 little movie called star Wars Wars. that came out. Um, so James Bond is back for another mission. And this time he is blasting off into space, a spaceship traveling through space is mysteriously hijacked and bond must work quickly to find out who was behind it all. He starts with the rockets creators, Drax industries and the man behind the organization, one of the greatest villains of all Bond movies, Hugo Drax. On his journey, he ends up meeting Dr. Holly Goodhead, one of the worst names of all Bond movies, and encounters the Metal Tooth Jaws once again. So, Joe, you're starting here. I'm interested to hear you, uh, as Tristan called it, backpedal. Let's hear what you got. All right, so I'll start off. Uh, I have my uh, first female director uh, for this, and that is uh, Deborah Chow, uh, who uh, has directed a number of uh, television episodes of acclaimed television shows, most notably uh, two of the more popular episodes of The Mandalorian, and she's also directing uh, the entirety of the Obi-Wan uh, series. So my Bond is going to be played by Richard Madden, who uh, people probably know is playing Rob Stark in uh, Game of Thrones. He was also in the show The Bodyguard. My Felix is going to be played by Pedro Pascal, um, my Q is going to be Ewan, Mc- Ewan McGregor. My M is Ian McShane. My Money Penny is uh, Haley Atwell. And then the role of Hugo Drax will be played by Matthew Reese, who people will probably n- potentially know from The Americans. Uh, he was also in the uh, recent uh, Mr. Rogers movie. Uh, so my movie opens, uh, the cold open and the whole movie takes place in 1962, uh, which is the year of the uh, first uh, Bond movie. So now you got to go backwards, Joe. Yeah. So Felix is captured by the Soviets after being, uh, a- and is branded as an American spy. Uh, we see Bond on a helicopter above a Soviet facility on a mountain. Bond jumps out of the helicopter and skis down to the building. Meanwhile, Bond is talking to Q, who is back at MI6, and they're communicating via, via large, bulky communication devices. There's a lot of like retro futurism in this movie. Uh. Bond busts Felix out, and the two ski to safety. They go off the side of the cliff, and before falling to their death, their parachutes opened. Bonds is the Union Jack, and Felix is the American flag. Uh, they land, get in the landed helicopter, and fly away. On the helicopter, Bond calls Money Penny, and Money Penny, played by Haley Atwell, answers. The movie's theme, sung by Haley Atwell, uh, kicks in. I had to 
make a choice because that and that's the rule I'm using is one of my lead sings songs I was trying to make a choice do I go for a singer who I have to hopefully have a good performance from or just go for a good actor who has sung in movies before or in you know shows and that's the direction I want so Haley Atwell is singing the theme in my movie as well as playing Money Penny so uh, for my movie, M is playing bridge at his club, Blades. He is losing money hand over fist playing bridge against the club's newest member, Hugo Drax. M brings in Bond, who has been watching Drax cheat. Drax grows increasingly uncomfortable as Bond wipes him out of his money and is eventually escorted out of the club. Bond and M are concerned why a millionaire would cheat at Bridge and do some investigating. They learn Drax was a World War II soldier who suffered amnesia and discovered he was the only son of a deceased millionaire industrialist. Drax's goal is... Uh, to get the first man on the moon with the Moonraker rocket, an invention of his own design. Bond goes undercover in Drax's company. He realizes quickly that all of Drax's employees are German. When Bond is discovered and captured, Drax reveals he didn't have amnesia. He is a Nazi who assumed the identity of a British soldier he killed in World War II. His goal is to take out England with his missile and use it to reunify the Nazi party. Bond is uh, Bond eventually is able to escape in classic Bond fashion. Uh, the rest of the movie, because uh, a lot of movie with Bond kind of taking things from what's popular, a lot of what's popular now is like these team-up movies, and that's kind of what I'm going for in my movie, where Bond, Q, Felix, and Moneypenny kind of are all teaming up and out in the field stopping Moonraker uh, from crashing into London. Since Bond is known as Drax's company, Felix has to go on the inside with Q to hack into their system. Moneypenny serves as the distraction. And Bond and M are at the missile silo, communicating with Q, trying to disassemble the missile. And that's kind of where Drax goes in. They expect Drax to be in the warehouse with his employees, but it turns out he's at the missile silo. And that's kind of where Bond and him have their second big interaction, where Drax is ultimately defeated. They, you know, at the last second, take out the missile and save the day. And that's my movie. Cool. Um, did you have a Jaws in your movie? Uh, no. Okay. I was just wondering, since he was one of the characters in it, but okay. Uh, Tristan, what do you got? All right, for me, uh, for my Moonraker, my director that I went with is Lee Whannell. He did Upgrade and Invisible Man, so I think he could pull off some of the tone that I'm going for and some of the action that I'm going for in this movie. And the rule that I used is that I told mine from the villain's uh, point of view. So I'll go into my premise right here and say... uh, an extremely rich and egotistical billionaire named uh, Hugo Drax, played by Tom Hiddleston, decides to invite his friends and colleagues on a rich luxury space trip to the moon. And he's going to sell them shares to a new uh, space tech company that's going to have warehouses and factories on the moon. So he has this this crazy plan to build uh, factories and warehouses on the moon to evade taxes and laws of Earth politics. And he's invited all of his friends and colleagues in the business world to come on this ship with him to kind of show him off and convince them to buy into his company. So the characters we focus on a bit are kind of inversions of some of the Bond characters. So we have a tech genius who's kind of awkward and goes by the name P and is played by Bill Hader. We have a henchman uh, whose legs and arms are enhanced by space tech cyborg parts. So he has like a big walking, like hulking metal cyborg body. He's played by David Harbour. I feel like that's a good like escalation of Jaws. Like you get like a metal face. Now let's have like a whole robot guy in this goofy space movie. And we have uh, Drax's adoring, undying lover named Holly Hardride. Uh, she was once a double O agent uh, before she fell madly in love with uh, 
Drax and turned against MI6 to join him. So now uh, there, that's like sort of a, and of course we introduce a suave British man going by the vague name of Jimmy, who's played in my movie by Richard Madden. Uh, so Jimmy is play, played by Richard Madden and the billionaire is kind of revealing his plan, showing, oh, we're gonna build these factories. We're gonna do this thing on the moon and we're kind of following uh, Richard Madden's character in the opening sequence here. Cause we kind of assume like, oh, this is the main character. He's Jimmy, he's Bond, but then he steps away for a drink. You think, oh, he's going to like explore the tech. Cause he's peeking over, he's looking, he's looking. And then he gets shot right in the face. Opening scene, Richard Madden is dead. And out from the smoke walks Tom Hardy as James Bond. We get a slasher movie where James Bond is a slasher. So our team of villains I just described are kind of like suck in this spaceship trying to get to the moon in time, but they're getting killed one by one by a super spy going room to room, killing them. Can they make it in time? Can they not? It's a moon ranker, guys. It's goofy. It's stupid. Is that fun? Huh? Wow. That took a turn that I wasn't <laughs> <Yeah>. expecting. <laughs> um, um huh. Also, I like that Richard Madden featured in both movies. I like that he gets shot in the face in Tristan's. Um, yeah. But okay, um, hmm. this is going to be an interesting fight. Um, Bobby, any uh, questions um, you need to hear from them after their pitch- pitches? I mean, I have a, I have a lot for Tristan, but <laughs> um, it does, it's not necessarily a bad thing, honestly. So, so my first take on the pitches are Joe's was kind of bland and didn't impress me, especially for something that's like Moonraker that could be goofy or or epic depending on how you want to go with it and then tristan's was kind of all over the place in tone for me especially with lee winnell as the director uh so i guess i mean these aren't very specific questions so just kind of you know as you fight just i I need to hear more about the movies and why you chose what you did and why like why joe's would stand out and why tristan's fits what he pitched especially with lee winnell yeah, um, oh, yeah. yeah, real quick, because uh, so Joe pitched first, so he's going to get the first minute. But yeah, I'd like you to just kind of go over with your movie. I really love the performance of the uh, uh, original Hugo Drax. So I want to see how yours either is inspired by or differs from the initial, like the very monotone, but in control. You know, he watches Bond just shoot his guy out of the tree and just there's no reaction to it. Especially for Tristan, like Tom Hiddleston, I'm picturing him in a slasher movie being more like his cowardice Loki type persona. Um, is that going to work for Hugo Drax or are you going to go more towards like a Tom Hiddleston doesn't really care what's going on. He's just trying to get his mission working around what's happening. And Joe, yeah, I just kind of want to hear because um, Matthew Reese, I don't know much about him. I want to know how he's portraying the character. Um, but yeah, get into that in your fights and get into what Bobby talked about too. Joe, I'm going to give you a minute as soon as you start talking. Uh, right. So you brought up Matthew Reese and Hugo Drax, and that's kind of one of the reasons I cast, um, Matthew Reese is because I wanted to go for a similar vibe, uh, that the original Hugo Drax brought with like the monotone, emotionless kind of thing. Like this guy's a literal Nazi in this movie. So that's why I cast him that way so I feel like it'd be very similar and I feel like the tone of my movie doesn't really come off in the plot and I wanted more of like that campy kind of fun vibe that's also why I said it in the 1960s because I think if you go to 
if you go back to a different era like Tristan did with his 1970s movie, I feel like if you go back to the 19, uh, like a previous time period, it allows you to have some of that camp while seconds. still being able to take yourself seriously. And so, I mean, it's kind of irrelevant, but that's why for the longest time I've thought the Fantastic Four movie should be set in the 60s because I feel like it still allows you to have that camp while have So I think that's what would set mine apart is going back and having some of that camp and fun and not being this kind of born uh, series kind of version of Bond. Time's up. Look at my new buzzer. Tristan, (laughs) you got a minute as soon as you start talking. Yeah, I talk about camp and fun. Mine's all about the camp and fun. I try to capture the zaniness of being in a Roger Moore movie, but I wanted to make it like, okay, what is it like if you're the villain on the receiving end of Roger Moore's Bond? Like, you're stuck in this completely ridiculous situation and this unstoppable spy is just coming down and he's mowing through all your guys one by one. You know, you send out your lover, a trained super spy, and even she can't take down this killer. And I think it would be really fun to get that subversion. And, and you talk about Lee Winnell and how he's done a lot of horror and you're not quite sure he could do the tone here. But I think horror and comedy are very intertwined, and especially in this movie, like it feels like a mixture of the horror of this of this killer coming through, and also like the cyber tech of the seconds. walking guy. But uh, Lee Winnell is also working on Escape from New York, his upcoming movie, and I think that shows, at least from the original, a good mix of fun and camp and horror. And I think if that's the direction Lee Winnell is kind of Ten going seconds. in his in his career, I think it shows you can do the both and pull off the action and kind of the sci-fi and the fun so that's what i'm going for at mine and all right just in time all right uh i like huh it's interesting i'm going back and forth in this one so these final two minutes are going to be very important so joe i will start the clock as soon as you are ready all right i think tristan should make a really fun really interesting short film but i'm not sure as far as a full-on, like, official, like, this is the 26th James Bond movie, how well that would play. Also, with Lee Winnell, with doing Saw and Invisible Man, like, we have no idea what his Escape from New York is going to be. He does very, like, these serious-type movies. And I don't know, like, this fun, campy um, movie that he's pitching. I don't know if that fits with Lee Winnell. I feel like if he was, like, Lord Miller's my director, and they're going to make this fun, goofy, campy horror movie i like maybe that's a direction that would fit better i just don't think lee winnell itself is the guy for that and then for mine uh some positives of mine I've, i like the dynamic of like injecting pedro pascal as felix i think he'd make it really good felix um my movie more it kind of goes differently towards the end but my movie follows the book a lot more than the original and that was kind of what i was going for for my movie of following the book with the missile and everything and keeping his backstory and everything similar to the book. And that's also partially why I said it in the sixties. So his backstory fit and made sense. Uh, Tristan, uh, Tristan's mine is just like, I just think it's kind of all over the place. And I think it makes like for a fun 40 seconds, interesting pitch. But as far as like just being the next bond movie and being a movie itself, I don't think it really plays the same as in a pitch. Or mine, I think Richard Madden wouldn't make a good Bond. I cast him because he's Scottish and I'm setting it in 1962. So it kind of connects to the earlier Bond movies when you're going for that camp and kind of going for that style. I think putting some retro futurism some, allows you to have cool gadgets that seconds. they couldn't have had in the 
original because they like didn't even conceive of the ideas of stuff we have now but he can have stuff that we take for granted every day and use every day but he like they use them as like these cool new interesting gadgets that he uses to and... the oh you didn't like that did you? <laughs> um all right wow. well i'm gonna make the final call so bobby uh do i get two yeah, minutes get... still or... tristan gets two yeah, minutes still. yeah tristan sells two minutes johnny he just did his two. Oh, that no, was he Joe. Didn't... Yeah, that was Joe. Don't steal my time. That was Joe. I got yeah. distracted by that. I'm like, hold on. I'm, I'm going to be yeah. honest here. I don't think Tristan needs his two minutes. Um, But I'll give it to him anyway. I just <laughs> want to hear more about his movie. Let's do it. Yeah. Look, there's a reason that I had Richard Madden play my generic stand-in British guy at the beginning that you think is Bond and then gets killed because he's the most generic pick possible for like a Bond casting right now. It's like, Oh, the good-looking British suave guy, like, not necessarily good actor, not necessarily good in action, but, like, oh, I guess he fits. And, like, I, I I picked him purposefully because I thought he was a fun subversion of that really boring casting. And then I brought in mine, who is still a fan casting, but he's in a limited or limited role. You know, he has just as this, this outside presence coming in to get the villain. So I think when you want to give a fan casting that kind of role, that's a way to do it, where he's not, like, carrying the movie as this fan casting but he's there because he's like a presence in the movie and you mentioned tom hiddleston and what kind of role is he going to be playing in this movie and i like the fact that like on the outside he's this very confident uh billionaire who much like the original is like very very proud of himself and will stand up against like anything that comes against him and in reality he's like this sheltered billionaire who doesn't who can't even understand the fact that he's actually in danger so i think the fact that he's just arrogantly confident would be really fun to see Tom Hiddleston play. And uh, it would be fun to see like his henchmen too. I have these fun cast characters of Bill Hader as this tech genius going by the name of P. And I think it'd be fun to see him kind of like working along with the cast. And of course, David Harbour, I see a ton of really fun with him playing that big kind of hulking presence. So I think it introduces a lot of fun characters. It would be fun to see killed off by Bond. And it's just a fascinating premise as well. It's like, what is it like to be on you're in. You're the bad guy, or you're among the bad guys as Bond is taking down this space, and you're running along, watching your project fall apart, realizing like, oh man, <laughs> we're really screwed here because Bond's taking us all down. And I think it would be a really just a blast to watch, and it would feel right in hands with the Roger Moore era. Where it was all about fun, all about just being as goofy and fun as you possibly can be. And I think that fits for my movie. And you suck, Joe. All right. Yeah. There you go. You gotta, you gotta use those last five seconds, yeah. Bobby. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Uh, my thoughts are, Tristan's movie would never happen as a Bond movie in a million years, but I would absolutely love to see it. Um, Joe made a very solid, like, pitch for for his movie that he's making. Except mm-hmm. other than that, like, Richard Madden, I think is rel- is pretty bland as bond and nothing really like stood out it was just like it would be a movie it would be in the bond franchise and it would it would function um and tristan's is so different that i would love to see it so if you want to go with realism joe's would be the one that would be made but the more interesting movie to me is tristan's so i would go with tristan yeah the greatest thing about this show is that we don't uh are we're not stuck in the realm of realism because <laughs> i am pounding the gavel tristan easily yeah. won that one it's I not even so close too, but you know joe's joe cast a bunch of tv people he was kind of out on me as soon as he said his cast and then tristan won me over with i've never loved the idea of tom hardy as bond but tristan did it in a way that i'm like that's the perfect choice for bond when he is the 
you know, the slasher <laughs> in the movie, essentially. He nailed the rule. I l really liked the usage of it. That was a really creative way of doing it. I was hoping for a quick episode, and of course, you two make it go five, <laughs> um, all five movies here. So that brings it down to everyone's favorite Daniel Craig movie, Spectre, um, from 2015, which is about a, a cryptic message from James Bond past sends him on a trail to uncover the existence of a sinister organization named Spectre. With a new threat dawning, Bond learns the terrible truth about the author of all of his pain in the most recent, in his most recent missions. Um, I'm interested to see what you guys do here. And uh, pretty sure Joe, we have the same rule, one, right? So, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, you both do. Yeah. I'm very interested to hear Steven Spielberg's Spectre. Um, a lot of alliteration <laughs> I'm very curious there. if you want the same yeah. round, but maybe not. Right. Spoiler um, alert, Joe. I really dislike this movie. <laughs> well, good thing I went far away. Lots I'm, I'm going to let Tristan go first. Movie. Of course you will on this one. Because right. I want to know what you did, so I can change it if it sounds like mine. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's 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 uh, let's do this, guys. This is for all the marbles. Okay, okay. Uh, so, Steven Spielberg is my director, of course. That's the choice that we had to go with. Uh, and I tried to capture the essence of Craig's Bonds, where it's very much about Bond as a character and about like what has what Bond experienced, how has that affected him, you know? And I wanted to capture that here in a way that Spielberg could with kind of like a contemporary Cold War spy thriller. I think Spielberg's been kind of like a softball director for the last few years, but I think British Spies is one that actually was kind of good <laughs> among like his kind of mess of forgettable movie, so I would like to see him get back into that kind of Cold War spy thriller for his next movie. And my Bond is an older Bond, who's played by Gary Oldman. Settled into his later years here, he's retired. He's very much pulled back uh, from his spy life. You know, he hasn't done that in forever. He's kind of just living his life as this loner with this past, but he's, he's retired from that life. But it all kind of uh, changes for him when he's going through his casual life. He notices the rise of a very prominent political figure played by Nicholas Holt that he believes to be recognized as the spitting image of the exact image of a Cold War villain that he killed years and years ago in cold blood. Back in one of his first missions, he says, oh my God, that guy hasn't aged a day. It's, it's, it's like he's walked off of the battle from one of my first missions way back in my early years of being a spy. So Bond has to reunite with his old friends. He recruits, uh, he recruits Q, who's played by Richard Grant in this as well as uh, Felix, who I have played by Dominic West uh, in this. And those are kind of like slightly older. And they're also trying to kind of like evade the watchful eye of M, who's played by Stellan Skarsgård. So we get these past their prime kind of spies who are having to bring their skills back to the forefront. And rather than action oriented, it's very much like a spy focused, th uh, mystery focused thriller where it brings these characters back to Russia, kind of back to where Bond kind of started in a way, so it would be really nice to, similar to how Craig's Bond, so tried to connect everything together, Inspector, I wanted it to kind of bring it full circle without actually bringing it full circle and connect it back to an old villain that could be a Dr. No, but isn't directly a Dr. No, and connect to a past plot that isn't really a past plot, but kind of could be, so you have the best of both worlds. You don't have to watch all the Bonds, but you have that shared story, and you have that mystery, so I'll get more into the mystery as I get to my my two and my two and one minutes but yeah yeah that mystery of where is this guy coming from why does he look exactly like one of my first villains that has an age a day and we got to go find out why all right 
And so, is is a is it like very clear that Spectre is in, you know involved with it? I guess. Oh yeah, it's definitely involved. Uh, clear from the premise, like he's got the guy that he fought was like the leader of Spectre. Essentially, he was like a, a, a part of Spectre. So he's like, oh, is Spectre back to life? I thought I, I thought I defeated Spectre, and if this guy's back as a political figure, it could be like the rise of Spectre. So he's he's, he's scared that this yeah. guy is going to be like a return of Spectre. Okay. All right, so I thought we would go in the, might go in the same direction. We went in very, very opposite directions. Um, obviously, um, my director is Spielberg. Um, my Bond is going to be played by Finn Cole, who's uh, relatively unknown, but he was uh, in a number of Peaky Blinders episodes where I know him from, where he's really good. He was also in the show Animal Kingdom. And then uh, my role of M is going to be played by Mark Rylance. So... And Finn Cole, if you don't know, is uh, younger. He's like 25. And uh, so my cold open. A young James Bond is beating his shipmates at poker when their submarine is hit by a missile. As water rushes in, James saves a bunch of the people on the sub and is able to seal off the compartment where the water is coming in uh, before the sub sinks to the bottom of the ocean. As he, uh, as the sub like surfaces and everyone is safe, the theme by Lena Del Rey kicks in. Uh, the next time they hit port, a man who calls himself M introduces himself to James. He says he heard about what James did, and, and this isn't the first time James Bond has saved the day, and that he could work, f- and that uh, he works for an organization that could use his skills. He has a small mission for him while he's at po- at port, and if he succeeds, he may get a nice promotion. He gives him a picture of an older man, and M tells him just follow him and report back what he sees. Uh, Bond does so, and. Uh, Later, he sees on the news of an assassination attempt against the man he was following and questions why he was, you know, doing what he was doing. But his contact, M, assures him everything is fine. You know, he's fighting for the greater good. That man was not a good man. And he's slowly, throughout the movie, realizing that the things he's been asked to do are not things that he should be doing. It's a evil organization and eventually through his own investigation he discovers that this man m is his real name is uh morzeni who people might know uh from the movie from russia with love who was uh sent to train or like tasked with training new recruits for specter and that the organization he's been working for is specter so he goes to the man that he was following played by liam neeson we find out is the actual M ahead in charge of MI6. He reports everything he knows, and now he's been hired by uh, this M to essentially be a double agent and to spy on Spectre. And this movie would essentially end with him killing Morzeni. And kind of how I see my this series of movies going is you're kind of seeing like him going from um, in the Navy to being double like. Agent 007 and seeing that progression something we've never seen in any of the Bond movies before something they've never really even talked about much and I feel like uh, Spielberg works well with younger actors and I feel like kind of the tone of my movie is a little bit Indiana Jones with like the globetrotting kind of adventure a little bit of Saving Private Ryan especially with the action opening of the sub sinking but also my Bond is going to be similar to Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Catch Me If You Can kind of this young smart guy uh, who can kind of sneak into these situations, and that's kind of the tone and vibe I'm going for with my movie. That's my pitch. Interesting, interesting. All right, there are some uh, hits and misses, I think, for both pitches here. Um, I'm interested to see if you guys can point those out. Bobby, you have any questions for him? 
Not really. I mean, I, I have, you know, gripes with each pitch, but nothing that's like a specific question. Um, I just hope it's kind of hit on during the fights. So uh, unless you have anything, I'm ready to hear, hear and fight it out. Yeah, no, let's, let's hear it. This is the, uh, the, you know, to the death right here. This is for the win. So let's make him strong. Uh, we're going to start with Tristan. As soon as he starts speaking, he gets a minute. For me, for all these pitches, I tried to have a balance of doing something new while also attributing what was done before. And I tried for this to attribute the Cold War thrillers of old, you know, the, the genuine from much what love spy thrillers, while also having kind of a bigger connected plot in the way that uh, Daniel Craig does, and then modernizing it by giving it this older Bond, a Bond we have never seen before, is a Bond who's literally retired, like old age almost Bond, who's just like beyond spy life, genuinely past his prime and, and being pulled back into his old life. And I like the title of Spectre too, because it's not just this, the, the group Spectre, but I think we get a Bond who's haunted, haunted by the Spectre of this this murder that he did. He, so we open the opening scene as he takes this guy down in a classic Bond layer scenario, like throwing back to the, the biggest of Bond layers. And he gets revenge on him because he believes the man was responsible for the death of his wife. And Bond is kind of haunted by this because Sure, the guy didn't directly do it, and he kind of Ten feels seconds. like, should I have killed this guy? So I like the double entendre aspect where he's haunted by his past and wants to kind of get past this mistake. And also, of course, Spectre is rising, and he wants to stop it. And buzzer. Joe, you get a minute. Let's go. All right, as far as introducing something new, I feel like I hit on that as far as covering a younger Bond, and I feel like, and I think we're, as far as like being an origin-type story i feel like where a lot of those movies fail is they try to show you like every aspect where like it's like oh he was like this weird awkward nerdy guy and then he met this woman and she showed him how to be like this smooth guy and i feel like mine is more like he has all the skills all the traits that we would see in a bond and expect out of a bond but this is about him like channeling that and uh and i feel like you know like i said spielberg being a younger actor can pull the perform like the good performance you'd want out of a lead from finn cole who i've seen give good performances in shows like Peaky Blinders. And I feel like he could be a leading man. And then as far as negatives against Tristan, I just feel like his is like last Vegas, but bond of just like, Oh, it's all these old guys coming together, you know, for one last mission that I just feel like with Spielberg, it would just feel like this ultimate, like old man movie of just like a bunch of grandpas getting together. And I just don't know, like, as far as like this big four quadrant franchise, if like, that's the, Direction to go. All right. The buzzer has sounded. By, by the way, Spinner58 says, I love Johnny's buzzer, buzzer earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. Love to see it. Um, all right. So, huh, final two minutes. Um, I think it's going to come down to at the end of the day because honestly, I'm kind of sold on both ideas for the plots. I don't know how Bobby feels on that, but we're going to be deciding this together. Um, but it's going to come down to what, what do you guys really value in a bond movie? Cause we've never seen, like, we've seen an older bond, but we haven't seen the old bond that Tristan's pitching and we've never seen the young bond that Joe is pitching. So I think that's pretty much what it's going to come down to in this for me of what sells me more as a huge bond fan. Do I want to see the up and coming really young bond, um, that maybe feels like too young to be doing what he's doing or do i want to see like the old retired bond in a throwback style like political thriller more of a feel and what fits spielberg's strengths more as a director 
um, I think those are like the points that I that I need to uh, hear on this. So, Tristan, as soon as you start talking, I'll start the two minutes. So I'll say in defense of my version of a Spielberg movie, I think Spielberg makes awesome dad movies. Every time he tries to make a dad movie, it's it still pretty much works. And Bridges Spies was definitely a return to form for him and one of his better recent movies because it was a dad movie. And Bond is a dad movie franchise. There's a bunch of great dad movies in the Bond franchise. <laughs> so I tried to tribute that. You know, I, I think back to From Rush to What Love is like an ultimate Bond spy thriller. I wanted to capture that by making it a genuine spy thriller. And I think in terms of my movie actually adding something new, I think it genuinely is new to see a Bond this old and this beyond his prime. Whereas in the origin story of the Bond, we, we kind of got one in Casino Royale. It, to the point where Casino Royale is such a definitively good origin story, it's so great that I don't really need to see it in origin story again. You know, it's like Batman Begins was so good that I need to see another Batman origin story. Like Casino Royale gave me the Bond origin that I need and I don't need to see, oh, Bond, but he's even younger this time. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it scares me that it could be like an uncharted type situation where you're seeing Tom Holland as like this weird uncanny valley Nathan Drake that's like a kid doing adult things and I don't necessarily think that fits. I think Spielberg, his best work has been in these dad thrillers and I think that this could be a great direction for him. I think Gary Oldman, literally like a, a, one of the greatest actors of all time, having him be the leading Bond in this dramatic take on the character would be a really great uh, uh, choice for the actor. I think Richard E. Grant is a really fun cue. I, th I, I hear him in that quippy kind of fun role. I think that just, I like my cast a lot. And I think Dominic West is a much younger version of Felix and we're used to seeing comparatively to Bond. But I think that's interesting also that he's kind of like this younger um, younger guy among the older men. So you're, it's not just like, oh, it's old guys on one last mission. You still have this younger guy in Dominic West. So I think, yeah, you get a spy thriller out of it. You get a very unique take on Bond, not just another origin take on Bond, but a Bond who's genuinely in a different place in his life than we've ever seen him before. And... All right, Joe. All right, two so, minutes for your life. All right, so for mine, uh, Tristan hit on some things of like I feel like a lot of the problem with the Tom Holland Uncharted thing is Tom Holland is a super baby face where he's you know mid twenties but he looks sixteen where Finn Cole actually is mid twenties and looks mid twenties, and I feel like part of it too of like what would you rather see like Tristan's is definitely going to be like a one off they can't have like oh he comes out of retirement and then the sequel it's like oh he comes out of retirement again where mine can be a continuation where you can see like three three however many movies of my Bond going from being in the Navy to becoming the 007 so you get more of that story story you can get a full franchise and it's like casino royale was like the origin of like okay this is his first mission as 007 but like mine is like okay how did we get to that point you know people up until 2005 like 1989 batman was the origin because it was like batman year one and so you can still go back in time and show how uh, a character became that character and mine you know you get the bond girls like do i want to see Gary, like part that's a big iconic moment part of uh, the Bond franchise. Do I really want to see old ass Gary Oldman with like Bond girls and doing all that aspect? But with Finn Cole as twenty five years old and being a younger Bond, you can still have that aspect, and it doesn't come off weird. It doesn't come off like different. It doesn't come off creepy. Mine being a Steven Spielberg movie, which his is too, but a young Bond having cool, fun new gadgets as he's coming and as he's like entering this world being given new gadgets that are interesting to him and different to him it's like technology he hasn't seen 
is like could be cool and fun and you know you get to have fun with this character as he has fun where an older bond getting new gadgets i feel like would just come off of like all kids these days and their new technology and it just comes off like like this whole boomer thing and i just don't know if like as an audience that's you know interesting or fun and that's what i want to see where i feel like a young bond you can have fun with and uh be different with and interesting with it's hard to not respond all right I know, right? Um, yeah. Okay, I think Bobby and I have come to agreement on this one um, for the most part here. Um, but Bobby, without, I don't know, I'd say without revealing it, but I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on these? Um, I think they both hit on aspects of Spielberg's career, um, and it was pretty close, you know, at first. I think that um, what I like out of Spielberg is his kind of adventure, kind of younger um, stuff, but he hasn't done that well in a very long time. And Tristan hit on something that Spielberg can do very well now. Um, I think if I gave any more of what I thought, it would kind of give it away of what, what we're leaning. But I think that one of them had a very, very strong two-minute argument, and the other one did not nearly as much. And uh, we agreed on the points that they made. Yeah, I think I think it came down to the last two minutes for each of you. And uh... Joe felt like he was on the ropes the whole time, and Tristan really, really had a really strong final argument there. Um, I really agreed with a lot of his points. He made a really strong point on what Spielberg works with now, um, and he made a really good point on uh, the origin story. We've already gotten Casino Royale. That's the best origin story for Bond we're ever going to get. Why do we need another type of origin for Bond? And I, I tend to like a mid thirties bond, but if I'm getting the choice of a young bond or an old bond, I'm going to go with the, the old bond kind of out of retirement. I think that's more interesting. I think that works to Spielberg's strengths a little more. The last two times we've seen Spielberg try to do like these young characters, it was ready player one, which didn't work. And it was Shia LaBeouf in the last Indiana Jones movie, which really didn't work. So I don't really have faith in that. Whereas bridge of spies was like the last interesting movie Spielberg's done in a long time. So while Tristan's at first, I was like, I don't love the like John the Carre type of feel for a Bond film. Um, that last two minute argument really, really worked for both Bobby and I. And I think that's what won us over. So the pitches were pretty similar, um, you know, afterwards of, you know, there were some flaws in each. There were some positives in each, but Tristan just had the better arguments there. So I think in the end of the day, Bobby and I agree that. Tristan made a comeback here. He was down two to one. He was on the ropes for a bit, but he he fought strong and uh, had some creative pitches for his last couple. And I think Tristan takes the point here. And for the win, Tristan, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I felt so nervous. We got to the end and I was like, oh God, I got these two big choices that are like the Moonraker slasher choice. And then the old man, Gary Oldman is Bond. And I'm like, those could go over so badly. I, and then it turns out they were the two that uh, pushed me over the edge. So I'm happy that my most risky ones were the ones that actually helped me out. So it was it was good to come out. And it was good to defeat Joe. It's always good to watch Joe lose. You know, he came in so confident. He was like, oh, I got a title shot. And they was planning out the schedule in the group chat. Like, oh, here's what we're going to do when I have my championship match, guys. And it's like, oh, I, I guess I wasn't planning not, out Joe. the title shot. I was saying, if I win, it's me versus Johnny for the title shot. If I lose, it's still me versus Johnny, just not for the title shot. <laughs> I don't think that's planning out a title shot. Look, Joe was Joe is already trying to clear off space for the belt. He was acting like he's already won. But look, I beat you, Joe. I'm, I'm 
somehow I became Johnny's defender. Anyone who gets like one or two wins and I come in, I'm like, no, no, hold on. Somehow I'm going to pull out a win. And that's what I'm here for, you know, upset. And I got to upset Joe. So, Joe, how I feel upset. Not really. I feel like my biggest uh, problem with this match was I sat on these pitches for too long and I just kind of got bored with them. And uh, I sat on them for like three months and I just didn't really do anything with them. And that was my biggest flaw. So I should have been uh, focusing on them more. I was like, I knew with Moonraker, if like Tristan comes in with much of anything, I'm screwed uh, because I knew my pitch wasn't very strong. And I'm like, if they don't go for a younger bond, I'm hosed on Spectre. But I felt good on the uh, two that I won. And then uh, there was one that it was close. Oh, Goldeneye! I think I lost, but uh, yeah, that was that was a closer one. Goldeneye was close, and yeah. Honor Majesty Secret Service was really close, but I, but you snuck that one. Yeah. Um, but much like Dan Campbell's Lions, Joe made it close. He gave you some hope, and then he blew it in the at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. um, Tristan made a sixty-six but... yard field goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tristan uh, really set some records on that last. I'm gonna wear there. all Arizona Cardinals gear next time. There you go. There you go. Um, all right. Well, that uh, that was a good fight. Any uh, any final thoughts from anyone before we end it here? Oh uh, yeah, Bobby, new final uh, thought. You've been away for a while. I have, I have new final thoughts. I'm currently looking for a new co-host for my Disney Plus weekly <laughs> review. Uh, so if anyone is available, uh, I like I can, adding yeah. to the tension. You know, we haven't had a fight in a while. I want to see some animosity in those. No, so. well, usually Tristan is the one that tend it, it, Johnny. Well, Johnny antagonizes and then Tristan responds most of the time. But you know, Tristan's coming on strong against Joe here, so I like. It. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, if anyone knows anyone that watches shows on Disney Plus, I'm looking for a new co-host. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Well. I'll be there though. I'll, I'll for for now, if I can make the cut, All if right. Joe forgives me by the morning, we'll be doing our Disney Plus reviews. Those are always fun. But yeah, my last news: it was really fun to do this Bond Month. I know we turned it into like a two-month thing, but yeah, you guys just introduced me to a franchise I never probably would have gotten all the way through if it wasn't for the show, and that it was a really fun time to do. Yeah, yeah that's what was exciting for me. I like to hear the passion behind the pitches mm -hmm. on. The a franchise I, I'm super passionate about. And the other thing I forgot to mention is Tristan made a strong point too of the dad movies because Bobby and I both got into Bond because of our dad and my kids are going to get into Bond because of me. Like the dad movie thing is, that's strong with the with the Bond aspect. So I, I, I respected that going towards more of the Bond, uh, the Bond level, like the dad movies rather than the let's try to capture a new younger audience because I think that's what they're going to eventually go into, but I'm going to be more into the... Uh, you know, stick to the old school type of movies. Myself, as soon as he personally. said the word dad movies, I knew my goose was cooked. I'm like, oh, I'm not one in this one. So. <laughs> Joe's like, I love dad movies. I'm fucked. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I'm like, uh. Look so, at that dog. Yeah. Uh, also, I think next week are we, we're doing that horror. Basically, uh, the bracket we did with Bond, we're doing the same thing, but with horror. I think we all submitted horror movies, and Johnny is seeding the uh, bracket. And that's what yep. we're doing next week. So, you know, November, perfect time to talk about horror movies. Yeah. November, I, I'm going to have some time off. I got to use my vacation days, so hopefully we can squeeze some episodes in there. That'll be good because uh, we haven't had a lot of time to do them recently. We've all had different schedules and been busy, obviously, with other things. So it's uh, not the easiest to uh, get a puppy and work as much as I do and be able to fit these in. But luckily, we were able to tonight. Yep. And also, yeah. uh, if you care about the game Jedi Fallen Order, me and Tristan have been playing that. Those drop on Tuesdays on YouTube, so check those out. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, you know, that all being said, we got to wrap it up here. Um, 
if you haven't watched James Bond movies, you're not a big fan of the franchise and don't know much about it. You know, you have a lot of episodes from the past month and a half to get into and, and hear our thoughts and feelings on uh, the whole franchise and where we want things to go and ideas for new movies. So I really recommend it. It's something that I think sometimes when people don't know about Bond, they look down in the franchise and think of it uh, in a different way. And then when they actually check it out, uh, there's something in it for, I think, everyone and every movie lover. So we really love Bond here. And uh, I, I, we were excited to finally get this episode in for those of you who have been uh, waiting for it. So thank you, everyone who checked us out. Thank you for everyone who subscribes. Uh, please like and subscribe, obviously, on, on YouTube. And uh, give us five-star ratings on any uh, of your favorite podcast uh, platforms. That would be amazing. Um, so with that, uh, thank you very much. Again, without further ado, goodbye. Hey, thank you for watching the Movie Change Up podcast. We'd really appreciate if you liked, commented, subscribed, and shared us with anyone you think might be into what we're doing over here. Thank you. Have a nice day.